Welcome to the weekly update, where we go in-depth with a particular topic. And joining me today is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Rem Richards. Welcome, Rem. Thanks, Dan. So, Rem, today we're talking about the Fair Work Commission's New Approaches Program. Yes, so good question is, what's the New Approaches Program? So the New Approaches Program from the Fair Work Commission uh, is to help parties find a way to build cooperative working relationships. Yep. And so how does it build cooperative working relationships? So it aims to do this by both addressing immediate issues, but also establishing processes that work in the longer term. When did new approaches commence? So new approaches commenced in May 2014, which seems like a long while away, but in the scale of industrial relations, it's not really that long. Um, And it was in response to an amendment to the Fair Work Act, uh, which provided for the commission to have a new function to promote cooperative and productive workplace relations and prevent disputes. Yep. And are commission members involved in the new approaches process? Absolutely, Uh, and it is central to the process. So they've got a role to promote cooperative and productive workplace relations and develop new ways to resolve conflict in the workplace. Uh, And they do that through the introduction of interest-based approaches. Yeah, great. So that's a good segue into the scope of new approaches. Um, Can you take us through that? Sure. So new approaches uh, broadly covers four areas that we'll place on screen for those that are watching. Um, Interest-based bargaining interest-based consultation for dealing with workplace change, interest-based problem solving for resolving disputes, and finally, building collaborative workplaces. Uh, For today's purposes, we're going to focus on the first three areas. Yeah, great. So starting with interest-based bargaining, what is it? So interest-based bargaining is known as principled negotiation method, and it was developed by Harvard University as part of their program on negotiation. And it focuses on the interests of the parties and aims to maximise the benefits of shared interests. Yeah, great. So it's fair to say that interest-based bargaining differs from positional bargaining. Definitely. Uh, and, And it's essentially the polar opposite. Yeah, so how does it do that? The traditional model is adversarial in nature. So an interest-based bargaining approach uh, is intended to reach a mutually acceptable outcome which is beneficial to both parties rather than just to one party. Um, So interest-based bargaining separates people from the problem and focuses on the interests of both parties. And this allows the parties to generate options for mutual gain prior to landing on a position. Yeah, great. So do the parties need to have an alternative interest-based position? Yes, and and realistically, that won't differ from uh, positional bargaining. However, it's an interest-based alternative position generated from the continuous shared interest model. Um, So rather than it being positional based on right versus wrong, it may very well be that you have different solutions to the same interest and the same problem. Yep, yep. So you've spoken about what interest-based bargaining is, but what are the benefits? So it can result in better agreements, um, simply put, because all parties' needs and concerns are explored uh, and problems are solved jointly uh, throughout that discussion or bargaining or dispute process. Yeah, great. So it's fair to say that interest-based bargaining can result in a better outcome for all. That's correct. Uh, And it's anticipated that commencing discussions on the premise of understanding shared needs results in a better outcome um, as opposed to commencing uh, conversations on the premise of positions. Yeah, agreed. Can you provide an example of interest-based enterprise bargaining? Definitely, and we might put this scenario on screen for those that are watching. So um, at a a basic level, uh, members may receive a claim from a union regarding the inclusion of free car parking for staff who complete night shift because of security concerns involved in the use of public transport in the evenings and early mornings. Um, We've seen some of those claims for, say, free car parking in the most recent Health Workers Union, logger claims for the Health and Allied and Management and Admin Agreement. 
Um, so we would have an underlying interest in the claim because it concerns the safety of our staff. Um, however, our solution may be to offer safer on-site parking arrangements to night shift staff members or improve on-site lighting to and from public transport services where appropriate. Yeah, okay, so it's the underlying interest that is shared, that is the shared interest. Correct. Um, so the key difference is that the solution to addressing the underlying interest is different to that of what was initially presented, but the outcome is the same as the shared interest. So before we move into other areas, VHA has been and will be using the interest-based bargaining model during the upcoming bargaining of the public health and community health sectors. That's correct. Um, so while it's early days, we've found that understanding the underlying intent or interest of the logs of claim that we've received to date has assisted in resolving these claims. Yeah, great. So can you tell us about interest-based consultation for dealing with workplace change? So interest-based consultation still encapsulates standard consultation. Um, however, the point of consultation commences earlier. Yep. Are you still required to provide a change impact statement? You would be. So the EBA obligations wouldn't change. Um, however, the change impact statement would be developed in the earlier part of engagement uh, with the affected employees and their representatives. And what do you mean by early engagement? So early engagement would mean meeting the affected people prior to issuing a change impact statement. Why is that? So interest-based uh, consultation often covers the problem, the issue or the opportunity before forming a proposal uh, and the merits and effect of the proposal. Uh, an early process would also include some joint research and maybe some joint problem solving um, and it must be adaptable to the issue at hand. Yeah, great. So it sounds like the early engagement is co-determination of consultation? Not always the case. Um, so the aim of interest-based consultation is to reach agreement. Um, however, it's still open to employers to proceed even in the face of opposition. Can you provide an example of interest-based consultation? So look, interest-based consultation is intended to apply to all consultation processes. So there isn't an uh, exclusive example. Um, however, where services are seeking to consult on a clause, the starting point will be to schedule a series of meetings to jointly work through the change and objectives associated with the change itself. Yeah, great. So the last area is interest-based problem solving for resolving uh, disputes. What is it? Look, it's simply put, it's a way of working together to solve problems collaboratively. And what are the key stages? Look, we'll, we'll post something up on screen again for those that are watching. And this has been drawn from the Fair Work Commission's uh, guide on new approaches, in particular, uh, interest-based problem solving. Um, and, and it's a structured process and there's three, uh, sorry, six key stages. Um, the first is identifying the problem, the issue or the opportunity. Um, and in our circumstance, you know, we would do that in preliminary bargaining discussions with unions. Um, we would identify uh, the stakeholders, uh, for example, the unions and their interests, and that in itself, the interest is the underlying issue. Um, we extract the right information, we develop mutually beneficial options, and then we develop criteria. Yeah, so it sounds similar to interest-based bargaining. Very similar to interest-based bargaining. Um, again, it focuses on the needs and concerns of the people that lie beneath a dispute. Um, they are different to the demands and the outcomes that are sought. Yeah, so can you provide us an example of interest-based problem solving? Definitely, and look, we'll, again, we'll provide this example up on screen. So we can use the example that we used earlier for interest-based bargaining. Um, at a very basic level, uh, the employer receives a letter from the union that states there are safety concerns where an individual employee finishes night duty and travels to their car, which is parked in a public street nearby. The union demand that transport be provided by the health service. Um, as with the other example, we do have an underlying interest with the problem because it concerns the safety of our staff. 
However, our solution may be to engage with the local council to improve lighting or to amend parking time restrictions in streets closer to the hospital after hours to allow staff who choose not to use on-site staff car parking to park closer and in, in you know, by and large in a safer area or more closer proximity to the health service. Yeah, so when you consider that example, there's a shared interest beneath the dispute. Definitely. Uh, and look, that's really the core theme of the interest-based bargaining is that there's underlying interest for both parties um, to resolve the issue because of the safety component addressing with the staff. However, the solution is different to what was initially proposed, um, but the outcome resolves the issue on a shared basis. Yeah, so in addition to these um, matters that we've discussed today, I understand the Fair Work Commission are engaging more with industries on topics such as enterprise bargaining. That's correct. So in late last year, uh, both you and I made contact with the Fair Work Commission to discuss how VHIA and the Fair Work Commission could jointly ensure the expeditious approval of Victorian public sector agreements yeah. um, leading into our bargaining round this year. Yeah, great. So I think, how did they respond? Very positively. Um, so the Commission indicated that Deputy President Masson, who is the agreements practice lead, um, would, like to, would have liked to meet with us and to discuss opportunities for efficiencies. Yeah, and I recall we met with um, Deputy President Masson in February. We did. Uh, and look, the discussion centred around the Commission's data on a agreement approval, um, in particular the substantial improvements in the approval process over the last two years, uh, common agreement approval issues within the health sector, and how we can expedite approvals of Victorian public sector agreements. Yeah, so we've mentioned um, Victorian public sector agreements. Does that mean that community health agreements won't benefit from these discussions and arrangements? They'll definitely benefit. Um, but we're currently in the public sector agreement cycle, save for the SACS agreement. Um, so members would recall we decoupled community health from public sector, so each had their own cycle, so to speak. Yeah, we've, had, we've all had experiences in our time at VHA with drawn-out approval processes, uh, particularly within the Victorian public sector and our community health agreements. How will this arrangement be expedited in the future? For sure. So, look, we definitely have, and if I recall correctly, the maintenance agreement for public sector took nearly six months from lodgement to approval. Um, and, look, we, we voiced that to the Deputy President when we met with him. Um, the key component of the efficiency arrangement is to involve the early allocation of our agreements to either the same member or a small group of members so we have consistency in how our agreements are managed and approved. Yeah, great. So have we had an opportunity to test this arrangement yet? Not yet. Um, we're yet to ballot any agreement within the Victorian health sector, um, so lodgement of an agreement isn't anticipated in the near future. Okay, great. So finally, as a part of new approaches, the Commission is looking at smart forms. Can you take us through that? So we're frequent flyers at the Commission, I think that's safe to say, uh, and I think that our involvement with uh, lodging agreements is going to become more common and increased over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, we've been asked by the Commission to provide feedback on smart forms that cover the approval of enterprise agreements, um, and the development of the forms have now proceeded to a stage where they can be used to lodge applications online. Yeah, great. So what are some of the benefits of that? So they'll be able to be used to prompt users for mandatory information, um, so that ensures that information that's required on the, on the um, F16 or F17 um, aren't missed. Um, there's also the opportunity for the smart form to alert users when the dates entered may not meet statutory timeframes or when questions have not been answered. Uh, and finally, it allows frequent users to create template versions of the forms with common information and save them for reuse. Yeah, great. And it's, it's intended that using the forms will also assist the Commission to process um, applications more quickly. That's correct. Um, and look, it will alert the Commission of potential issues and also missing information uh, or documentation at lodgement. 
Yeah, great. Well, that covers the update on the Fair Work Commission's new approaches program. Wonderful. Rem, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Dan.